Welcome to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength. That Farm Life is a production of Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. We talk about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between. Because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now here's your host, Stan Norman. Hello and welcome to that Farm Life podcast. We are joined again today by Stephen and Tracy Bell, and we are going to tackle what we believe is a very relevant topic today. So when we are recording this, it is December of 2023. Christmas is yet to be had, to be celebrated, but soon after Christmas is that always, every year, New Year's event, often accompanied by New Year's resolutions. And so today... We may not be tackling New Year's resolutions as they are classically expressed, but we are going to be talking about maybe looking at the new year to precipitate some new beginnings. So again, Stephen and Tracy, welcome. We're glad to have you back on this special podcast. And I'm sure even now on this day in December, you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions for 2024. Is that right? Are you thinking about elevating your exercise, elevating some personal improvement, elevating or starting I have some something? some resolutions for my husband. Oh. Is that okay? Could we make resolutions for one another? It's your show. I'm just facilitating you. So, yes, wow. uh, I think speechless. our listeners would love to hear the wife's resolutions for the husband. I will say that uh, this was not an easy podcast to prepare for. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So, um, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Well, hey, bring it, boy. Norman. Bring it on. So let's talk about these resolutions or these efforts to uh, tackle some things that maybe are helping build healthy families and using the new year as sort of as a springboard for that discussion. So when we were having our pre-planning session, you guys said this is an area you would like to go. And when you were thinking about that, what were you thinking this needed to look like? What were the issues you were wanting to tackle beyond her having a list of things for you to improve on, Stephen. Oh, trust me, I already know that list. <laughs> and still working on yes. it. Uh, you, you know, we we do a lot of work with, with marriages and families, um, not just here at the university, but outside yeah. the university, yeah. out in the community. And, you know, we hear a lot um, people telling us they – they want to improve their their marriages. They want to improve their families. They want stronger families. We want to be better, you know, husbands and wives, better fathers and mothers. And you know, we thought, well, what better way to to maybe start helping um, with families that are listening, um, with maybe talking about what it is that strong looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes people say, "I want to have a stronger marriage." But what is that? Yeah. So um, I thought what we might do today is talk a little bit about giving a target um, to people out there as to what strong families look like. Yeah, that'd be really good because I think a lot of people, whether they know it or not, may look at a Hallmark movie and think the end of the Hallmark movie is the mark of a strong family. Probably not, in fact, the case. Yeah, and I think, you know, in society today – 
we base a lot of things on normative values, right? So as norms change, so do expectations around families, right? Um, and I think getting back to what research shows, but also truth, hmm. is really important when it comes to leading our families. Okay, well, let's go. Where do you want to start with this? Well, I would say the first thing we probably ought to do is just just kind of briefly uh, maybe go over the according to some research out there that that we like to talk about, which is the Stinnett and Dufresne study that's been going on for over 35 years, um, <clears throat> is talk about the six patterns of strong families. And then after kind of throwing those out there, let's just kind of go one by one okay. and talk a little bit. And what what thought we would do is just talk a little bit about us personally. Um, some things maybe we might be doing okay, but then going back to that that idea of New Year's resolutions, right? Like maybe one or two areas that we've talked about that we need to improve in for this coming year. So, okay. Um, so anyway, I don't know how. Do you want to? Yeah, I think one one thing I would love to point out about this research that Student Dufresne did um, is that it's secular. Okay. <laughs> right. It was done at a secular university, um, and I think that's important to keep in mind as we go through. Um, what good families look like, according to research. And for those that may not be real familiar with what secular means, mm-hmm. when you think when you're using that term, what are you what do you mean? Yeah, it wasn't done um, from a Christian worldview. Gotcha. That's important to know. Yeah. Thank you. Although there's a lot that it will fall right yeah. in line. All, <laughs> all true, truth which, is God's that's truth. That's exactly that's right. right. That's exactly right. Uh, so we'll just kind of. I'll throw out a few, and then if you want to share a few, that and then we'll just go through them. I mean, one of the things that uh, they have found that strong families do is they spend a lot of time together. Um, so this idea of, of quantity trumps quality. Um, you can have all the quality in the world, but if you're not spending much time together, you're going to be limited in how close of a family you have. So that's that was one. Yeah, and I think that's you know I think that's an important thing to sit on for a minute um, because a majority of us have heard that old term, right? Oh, it's not about quantity; it's about quality, right? Um, and this this does not bear out mm. <laughs> as as being true. Well, that would be true certainly in the Christian faith, but you're saying that even the secular experts yes. recognize this. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I know when I went back to work full time, I had somebody well-meaning come in and say, because I was really worried about, you know, being away from my kids a little more than I had been used to. Um, And she looked at me and said, hey, you know, it's about, you know, quality time, not quantity. Of course, I knew my heart just was aching. because I was like, no, actually, I know the research like that's not true. Right. So I had to find ways to make up for it. But I think in some ways we utilize that to kind of make us feel better. Um, and look, we get it. It's hard. We have four kids. We both work. It is hard to find extra time, but we do it in ways that are creative, right? Sometimes it's, Hey, one child has a ball game, but we're all going, (laughs) we're all going to be there. We're going to spend time in the, in the van driving to the, (laughs) to the ball game, which we do a lot. Um, and we're going to be together as a unit, right? Um, yeah, I I think oftentimes um, parents will come up to us after we do speaking engagements, and we we like to always share this this research study with with marriages and and parents at seminars, and 
they'll look at us and go, what's the number? Mm-hmm. Now I know what that question means. I mm-hmm. used to not know. And what that number is, is they want to know, so how many, how many minutes, how many hours a day so they can have a strong family? And I said, you know, I think you're missing the, the point here. It's not about a time clock checking in, checking out. Um, not all families are equal. You know, I'm thinking in terms of a lot of the farming families that we're, we're talking to and, you know, they're, they're hearing this and they're going, well, how am I supposed to see my family hardly at all during harvest season? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, what always, yeah. And I, and I always tell parents that it's, it's don't get fixated on a number. Ask yourself, can I pick up five or 10 minutes this week? Start with something small. The reason I say small, there's a lot of families that if you're honest about it, you probably can find 30, 40 minutes. But if you start with five or 10, you're probably going to have some successes there. And as you five or 10 minutes can turn to 15 and 20. But just see if you can pick up some extra time. The message that that begins to send to the kids brings up pattern number two, okay, which is commitment to the family is high. You know, a lot of us like to say we're committed to the family, but it matters. And what research shows is that it matters what the people involved, the family members believe about your commitment. How do they experience it? So I can say all day long that I'm committed to the family, all of my work. I'm doing it for my kids, for my wife. I can say that all day long. But if my kids believe that work's more important than them, that's not going to fit with a strong family. So you're trying to find ways in which to you can engage your your family directly about that, which I think is important, having that conversation. But I'm going to use the example that just happened. Um, what was this week? Yeah. I don't know when this will. Hudson. Yes, Hudson. This will probably air like two weeks from now, but <laughs> three three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I had um, some marriage counseling that I was working with a few couples on a Monday night and Hudson had a ball game in Swifton, Swifton, Arkansas. It's the first time I had been there. It's about 30 minute drive from Jonesboro. And, and I, Hudson had asked me, Hey, are you going to be there? Um, dad. And I said, you know, unfortunately I have work to do. And, and what you also have to kind of understand about the dynamic between Hudson and I is that Hudson has seen me sacrifice a lot for our oldest two girls. He has watched dad make all kinds of ball games and make exceptions to get to their stuff. So he's watched that for 10 years and he's a 10 year old. And he's like, I understand dad, you're working, but I, I just knew in my deep down that I, that he's starting to struggle with that a little bit. And so I got done about five 30, I guess it was his game was supposed to start about five 30. And I just told Tracy, I said, why don't you send me that pin? of of the the address i said i'm coming and uh i said at least he'll see me in the stands and know that i i, I thought it was important even if i'm driving more than i'm watching him play yeah. he knows that i put a premium on him and the commitment to him as my son and i think sometimes when i think of just the 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 audience that we're speaking to um, I have a feeling that can relate to a lot of them. Um, we've got some some friends mm-hmm. who are farmers who um, I'm thinking, you know, during season um, mm-hmm. when they're they're working hard on the farm, 
it means something when they show up, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so commitment to the family is high is that second point. Um, and just remember that it matters how your family members experience your commitment. You just, it's not just what you say, it's how everybody experiences it. So you want to go for the next one? Yeah. So the next one is that strong families have an act of faith. Hmm. Um, and this, this isn't just, it, it includes it, but it's not just showing up at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That, that isn't what the research is talking about. It's talking about all that in-between time. Hmm. How, does, how does this get worked out in your daily lives, right? Is Christ something you only speak about on Sundays, or is it something that is integrated into every part of every day? Um, when you get up for school, we're doing it as you're doing it for the Lord, right? You're working on that homework because this is what you're called to in this season of life, and you're going to work toward it because of Him, hmm. right? What else, babe? Yeah, and I think uh, talking about being transparent, honest. You know, I we we talked to you, Doctor Norman, before we did this podcast. And we say, you know, we we believe you can only help people as willing you you've been willing to go yourself. And you know, I think for us that conversation this morning, um, getting ready for this podcast, that's one of the ones that we talked about. I think at times in our family, I think we've probably done a better job of trying to live it out at times. Not perfect at it but haven't done as good of a job with the corporate worship side of things where I think oftentimes our experiences being people have struggled with the corp, like they've done well going to church, but not necessarily trying to do the things outside. And I think we've, we've struggled with the, you know, we, we find a way that we're out of town a lot. We, we've got to do a better job of being in the church and, and being with other fellow community of believers. And, you know, we just did a, a Wednesday night, six week, um, but what would you call it? Bible, small marriage class that we taught. And, um, you know, when, when we got asked to do that, I mean, I, I tried real hard to think of every excuse not to do that. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was a recognition that that's something we've got to improve on. And so that's one of ours. I mean, we talk about this new year, something we've got to do better at. And just to reiterate the point that observation is coming from secular research. Yes. Yes. This is from secular research written by secular researchers. <laughs> well, we say that. I mean, yeah. they could be. We don't know. But the fact that that has come up over a 30-year span of research again mm-hmm. and again and again that this is something that strong families this is an element that strong families do is incredibly important wow. to recognize. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, that was three, wasn't it? Number yeah. four. Uh, let's see here. Communication line stayed open, stayed positive. Um, make sure when you hear that, you understand when it says open and positive, it doesn't mean you only talk about the fun stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I go back to this morning getting ready for this podcast. There was nothing enjoyable about that conversation when it came to what do we need to do better in our own home. Um, But it was positive, meaning that it was hard. It was hard stuff to talk about, but it was going in a positive direction. And that's, that's what research says. It's like when you're talking about hard stuff, you're being vulnerable 
with each other and that you recognize that ultimately it's about connection and learning to really understand one another. And so that's the positive direction we're talking about. You have anything you'd want to add to that? Yeah, I think just what you said, just keeping it on this trajectory that there's movement, right? And sometimes it doesn't feel positive, right? Like it taps on our emotions and that feels negative. But as long as the trajectory is towards something that the end goal is good, that's what the research is saying. Like we have hard conversations with one another. We have really hard conversations with our kids. But the end goal is something that we know is going to strengthen our family or strengthen our marriage. Yeah, and and research consistently talks about just this idea of vulnerability. Um, I I mean, probably spend 70% of the time in marriage therapy with couples. I'm just trying to get them to pull the curtain back. Um, I think I always use the example of Wizard of Oz. If you think Mm -hmm. about the time that they all went into the, you know, to the, to the wizard's castle or whatever. And, and when they, they're, they're terrified of what they're going to find. Right. And, and this image of they've, they've been told that he's this big, scary person. And when they get in there, there's fire and there's, you know, this big, bigger than life. And then little, was it Toto was the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Toto goes and, and pulls a curtain back. And what do you see? You see a little man doing all these gears and trying so hard, working so hard to keep people from truly knowing who he was. Hmm. And that's what I I experience couples and families doing all the time. You know, my my biggest fear in life is failure. You know, for a long time, early on in our marriage, I worked so hard for her not to see that. It's exhausting. There's something powerful about just pulling the curtain back. And when you're struggling, you just are able to look at your partner and look at your family members and say, hey, here's what's going on with me. Um, And I think what you're going to find is that you're going to draw closer and people are going to start seeing you actually in a more positive light than what you would would probably envision Hmm. because of just that difficulty of being vulnerable. And there's a trust that comes with that, right? Not just in our marriage, but our kids, you know, being able to be vulnerable and open. Hey guys, like, you know, mom and dad messed up here. Let's have a talk about it. They already know it and they sense it. But if we're not willing to admit to it, there is this way in which we're teaching them. Don't trust us. Don't trust adults. Don't trust other people. You can't trust the partners you're with. So I think there's an ability to really capitalize on our mistakes and, and show that this is about growth you know, this is about being real with one another and growing from it and building that trust and safety within our own family. Can you hide a failure in a family? I would say that you can attempt yeah. to hide. Um, what we like to say is usually what happens there is you begin to see symptoms mm-hmm. come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll end up being the one that gets myself in trouble. Um, our field oftentimes likes to diagnose those symptoms <laughs> and not begin to look at the whole family system that's going on around the symptom. Yeah. And 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 our our particular field that we our studies and what we teach here at the university is family systems and yeah. and to recognize that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, when somebody's struggling. 
there's usually a bigger struggle going on within the family. Um, at the very least, I always like to say it this way. We hurt within relationships. We heal within relationships. And so getting the whole system to rally around um, that person is is huge. Wow. So I don't know if that answered your no, question. That, yeah, right? no, perfectly. Then that leads us. We got two more. Um I think this one, I I will say, I think we've told on ourselves a little bit of where we haven't done as well. Um, I think this one we we do pretty well, but boy, it's difficult um, at times. And what what this one is is appreciation is oftentimes shown within strong families. But I want to make sure you understand the finer print of what that means. Strong families recognize the true worth and value of each family member. And it's not just me saying I understand my kids' worth and value or my wife's worth and value. It's that my wife and my kids view their dad and husband as somebody who sees their worth and value. And in today's culture, it is easy to send the message that worth and value is dependent upon our achievements. How well do you run? How well do you shoot a hoop? Mm -hmm. How well do you hit a softball? That one hits a little close to home for Mm -hmm. us. How good are your grades? What about looks? How do you look? Do you, do you, are you, do you have value because you're pretty? Because you look athletic? Um, That's a real struggle in our society. And what we've learned is, is that strong families, they recognize true worth and value. Um, and worth and value, I always tell people it's not dependent upon anything that you do. Um, you know, talking about Christmas, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when 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 Jesus came to die for us, he said to us, every one of you has worth and value, not because of what you do, but because I created you. Yeah. Right. Um, we've we've got to, to engage that um, and directly because we're living in a society where our kids and adults were living in a, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just give this as an example. Uh, I've had conversations with, with my oldest two, um, Ruthie, who's 15, and Lily, who's 17. And they're hard conversations because I think I did not do a good job of letting them know that dad saw worth and value in them because of who God created more than how well they played a sport. Not intentional. Yeah. And most parents that I talk to, it's not intentional for them. But you know what? You got to be willing to go have those conversations. Um, and I have sat down my girls and I've asked them things like, you know, what what do you think dad values in you? Um, those were not easy answers to hear at first. But here's the scary thing. If we don't have those conversations and those answers are there, but we're not willing to engage them, then that's going to carry on. And it's going to carry on into their adulthood. It's going to carry on into their marriages. It's going to carry on into their family and kids. Um, so you got to be willing to have that conversation around worth and value. Wow. That's good. You're up. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> do you want to move to the next one? That would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. We only have one more okay, left. Okay, great. Uh, 
Uh, well, so the last one is the ability to cope with stress and crisis was seen um, at a high rate within these families. And this, this means a lot of different things. One is we don't scapegoat. If one part of the family is struggling, we are all on board with that person struggling. We don't leave them out there. We don't blame. We don't say, well, if this kid would get it together, our marriage would be better, right? Or if you would get it together, your siblings would do better, right? You're bringing us so much stress, whatever it might be. Um, strong families don't do that. We don't scapegoat. We all struggle at the same time. We experienced this with uh, Ruthie, especially she was sick for a while. We didn't know she was sick. Um, and we had a really uh, hard few years where she was in and out of the hospital. And it was just a hard time for our family. It was during COVID. There was a lot of unknowns. We didn't know what was going on. And we had a lot of stressors in other areas. And it would have been a real easy thing to do to say, because of this illness, you know, this is why everything feels hard right now, right? It's all, and because she really struggled you know, just with her health and how that affected every other part of life for her. And then of course it bleeds over, but we, we really had to take it upon ourselves to say, Hey, we are all in this. This is a team struggle. You know, we're team bell. I think our kids roll our, roll their eyes when we say that, but, but we really have integrated that motto into our home, right? We're all here. We're all going to struggle together and we're all going to get better together. That's how this works, right? There's hope in that. Um, because, you know, otherwise you, you feel really alone and we don't ever want our kids or our spouses to feel like they're on an island by themselves. Yeah. And I think the, the, the last part of that is just that strong families, they seek help when needed. Hmm. Um, and it doesn't always tell when I, when I talk to people about this or talk to our students in our marriage and family life class here, I'm like, guys, you, you don't. It's not saying strong families go seek help from a therapist. That's one avenue. Um, sometimes it's it could be going to a, a friend. It could be going to a pastor. It could be like me in my most darkest time in my life. It was getting help from a construction worker. Um, it can come from any any place, but you're willing to recognize the power of community and the power of healing within relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what strong families do. Wow. So we've talked uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek a little bit, jokingly about New Year's resolutions and thinking about starting. And thank you both all, first of all, for not only the expertise that you bring, but your willingness to share from your life. I know personally I greatly appreciate your transparency and your willingness to do that, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. In light of everything you've shared, what would be a couple of uh, very practical steps to move in, starting to do these things, moving forward in these, not New Year's resolutions, but more of a commitment to building a strong family? Where do you start? How? What's the first step? Give me a baby step. You know, I think the willingness to herd your crew together mm-hmm. and just look them in the eye and say, hey, how are we doing? I had to preference that question with this to my kids. It's okay mm-hmm. to be truthful here. Um, I'm going to tell you, and I, I I let off the charge. I, said, I even said, I don't think we're perfect. I think we got some areas we need to get better. Um, 
my hunch is you you have some thoughts too. It's just being able to have an open dialogue to say how are we doing, and, and it's not it's not about attacking. It's just about if 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 there's areas in which we're struggling, the first step is just to recognize it's there and don't tippy toe around it like the elephant in the room. So that's that's probably would be my my first thing is just rally the troops and say, hey, how are we doing? And as a, a leader in the family, you know, you as parents, y'all start it. You know, so for, for again, just to reiterate, for me, it looked like this. Hey, how are we doing? Let me tell you what I got to do better, guys. And, and I share that with my kids. It frees them up to, to say, well, if dad can do it, if mom can do it, then it's okay for us to do it too and share. And then maybe you, you create that game plan of, of what's next because every family is going to be a little bit different yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say is get everyone in the same room and have an open dialogue about what's next. You know, what do you want this year to look like? What's your hopes for the family and for yourself? And how can we help you with that? Um, and being open to hear hard things and, you know, to be vulnerable is going to be really important. We've seen this done in a lot of different ways. We have some families that will write family mission statements, right? And this might change through the years, actually, right? This is our mission statement for this year, and this is what we're going to work toward, and they'll put it up in the house, which I think is a really great idea, something visual, right, that they can remind themselves of. But yeah, I think yeah, including including everyone in the dialogue, hmm. right, is very important. This has been incredibly good helpful, encouraging, a bit convicting, honestly, but hopefully to reference a previous podcast, uh, redemptive, mm. that there is a path of restoration for any of our listeners and for even those of us around the microphones here moving forward in God's redemptive purposes for our lives. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to serve. Thank you for your willingness to be vulnerable. Thank you for coming on and helping us today. I want to have you guys back. I think our listeners are benefited by your not only your not only your expertise, but your life stories and your willingness to share from your heart. So thank you, Team Bell, for being on that Farm Life podcast. We are grateful that you have chosen to download this and listen. We pray it is a benefit to you. We hope that you might incorporate some, if not all, of these recommendations in building a healthy family or moving toward building a healthy family for 2024. We pray God's best for you. We wish you Happy New Year's. And remember, keep the faith, keep farming. You've been listening to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength, with your host, Stan Norman. That Farm Life is a creation of AgriHealth Network and is produced by Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. AgriHealth Network exists to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about AgriHealth Network at agrihealth.net and more about Williams at williamsbu.edu. That Farm Life is produced and edited by Mike Dixon. Chris Grady and Brett Cooper serve as executive producers. And Elizabeth Ring is our production assistant. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep farming and keep the faith.